Welcome to the SpeechWorks Podcast. I'm Joey Asher, President of SpeechWorks. In today's marketplace, no one needs to be reminded of how few opportunities are out there. If you're an architect, a builder, or have a, or have a business related to the commercial real estate market, you're not getting many chances these days to compete for business. So the few chances that you do have, you want to win. That's why I'm particularly excited about today's guest. In a time when few architects are thriving, Phil Freelon is winning some big architectural commissions. This spring here in Atlanta, his firm partnered with HOK and was selected from a field of five high-powered architectural teams to design the Atlanta Center, the Atlanta Center for Civil and Human Rights. Just a month later, his team won another trophy commission, the Smithsonian's National Museum for African American History and Culture. In addition to delivering successful museum and cultural center projects, Phil's firm has education and science technology clients like Yale University, MIT, and the University of North Carolina. His work has been featured in many magazines as well as the New York Times. He was named Designer of the Year in 2008 by Contract Magazine. He is on the faculty at MIT School of Architecture and Planning. Phil started his firm, The Freelon Group, in 1990 in Durham, North Carolina. Since then, The Freelon Group has grown to more than 60 members. He clearly knows a great deal about how to connect with clients and win business. Phil Freelon, welcome to the SpeechWorks podcast. Thank you, Joey. Glad to be here. Well, we're, gra- we're glad to have you here. Um, I just want to start by just at, by saying, you know, I have worked with many architects who really don't like marketing, but, but you don't seem to be that way. Why is that? Well, as also a business owner, um, I understand the importance of it, and it, it's crucial to, uh, to keeping our firm vital. And so uh, that's part of it. And also I enjoy being around people and, and uh, really helping our firm uh, gain more prominence and hopefully more work. You know, so many architects do seem to have a, kind of a, a, a distanced view of marketing or just they're kind of skeptical of marketing. Why, why is that? Well, most of us, and, and I have feelings of this sort as well, so uh, I'll, I'll tell you that most architects really like doing the work uh, as opposed to going and getting the work. Um, you know, it's in our blood to be creative and, and to uh, produce the design work and deliver the buildings, uh, not so much going out and, and trying to get the work. So that's probably why you hear that. Uh, we're trained uh, in school, and, and what we thrive on is the design piece. Where you're, you're, what, you want, what you got into the business for is to design buildings, not necessarily to go out and schmooze and be a salesman. So let me ask you this, though. You obviously have been quite successful. Do you have a – what is the overarching philosophy that you bring towards marketing? Well, uh, several things uh, come to mind. First of all, we want to zero in on the few things that we do well uh, so that our marketing approach is not uh, spread out over uh, lots of different projects. We focus on uh, areas where we have expertise, and, and we can display that and demonstrate that to the clients. Uh, and, and also, not coincidentally, you know, it's work that, that excites us um, about the process and the outcome. So there are projects that, that we uh, certainly focus on, but there are others, by definition, we, we don't do. And so uh, narrowing it down is part of the philosophy. And, and you, building and, relationships, yeah. 
And you have clearly focused your business on doing cultural centers, museums, education, things like that, uh, science and technology centers. Tell me, how did you gravitate towards that type of work? Well, at the end of the day, Joey, we believe that uh, when we're finished with our work, we want to be proud of what we've done. And so that that's a litmus test. And, uh, certainly when we look at um, museums, those are institutions that enhance the lives of everyday people. Uh, educational facilities have, have meaning and use beyond just uh, earning money for a client. They're uh, investing in the future of, of the uh, students and and um, you know outcomes down the road. So, you know, we we decided early on that that um, you know we would focus on work that had a broader uh, base of good outcomes for the community at large. So it sounds like your marketing approach very much just comes out of the love you feel for the work that you do. You want to make sure that you're doing stuff that you love, and hopefully the people that you're pitching to and selling to will sense that and want to work with you. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know, most clients can figure out who's sincere and who, who uh, is really uh, resonating with with their mission and vision. And so we we spend a lot of time trying to figure that out. When we see that there's not a fit, we don't bother to pursue that work. Uh, and so um, I think one key is really getting the clients to say, yeah, he gets it, he or she gets it. They understand what it is that's important in our organization or or in our uh, goals uh, as a um, as what we're looking for in a building. And, you know, that takes a lot of discipline. It's very easy I'm, if you're a, a well-known architect or if, if you have some reputation to go after almost anything that comes down the pipe. But it sounds like what you're saying is it takes a lot of discipline to say, no, you know what, we're only going to go after certain types of projects. That's correct. And whenever an opportunity comes up, whether we find it or whether it finds its way to us, uh, we have a discussion at the owner's level and the principal's level about uh, what we call go or no go. Do we want to pursue this or not? And it has to meet certain criteria. And we can look back at our mission and vision and say, well, is it consistent with what we say we want to do as a firm? And if the answer is yes, and there's some other criteria like you know, a viable client that, that has the financing and um, a champion in the firm is going to move it through and, and other things that we're able to check off and say, yeah, we should go after this and not go after this other one. And during lean times, do you still stick by that vision? Do you still say, you know, even though we may love to have this commission right now, we feel like in the long term it's better to hold off and just stick to the things that we love to do? Or do you every once in a while just say, you know what, we really just need to we need to do this one just because we need to keep the lights on? Uh, yeah, we stick to it. Where, where we have some flexibility, though, is we, we might lower the threshold uh, with regard to size of the project. So if, if typically if during good times uh, we're not really looking at um, bringing on work at, say, $5 million in construction or, or lower, um, then if, if times get a little bit tight, we might consider a smaller project, but still of the similar type that we're we're focused on. We, we don't really change or waver from from our vision and mission, but we might lower the bar a bit with regard to size. So you stay true to the core mission, though you may do uh, a different size of a project. Yeah, we're doing some smaller projects now, but, but at the same time, it's consistent with what I've just told you about. Um, you know, 
what it is we want to do. Now, you've won a series of high-profile pitches. What are the keys to winning those opportunities? Well, as you know, Joey, the pitch is the very last part of it, uh, where you um, actually engage the client during an interview or during competition. There's a lot of, of planning and legwork uh, leading up to that. And so we, we like to um, get involved when we first hear about a project, not really wait until it's an opportunity that everyone else knows about. So we want to build relationships uh, so that when we walk into a room and um, are part of an interview, that there are familiar faces there that already know about us, and we've, we've already begun to, to start uh, the kinds of relationships that carry over into a two or three or five. And in the case of Smithsonian, it could be a 10-year project. Tell me about the Smithsonian. Give, can, maybe you can give, use that as a case study for just giving a little bit of a sense of this idea of building the relationship prior to the pitch, because obviously that's incredibly important. Well, yes. Um, years uh, ago, so five or six years uh, back, before there was a board of the museum, before there was a director, um, you know, we heard about the commission that was named by President Bush to study the possibility even uh, of a museum for African-American history and them all. And, uh, and we began to attend meetings uh, in D.C. where the commission was... Um, you know, looking at various sites, and, and uh, so that was the start uh, on one front. And then on another front, we, we've always been involved in client organizations. And in, in this case, um, there is a American Association of Museums, and you want to become an expert and well-known uh, to your client group. So we give we've given seminars and uh, presented uh, papers and so on at, at the conferences where we get to meet clients and potential clients and be known as, as an expert in the field. So those are two things, uh, you know, getting out in front of, uh, of the marketing curve. And so when a solicitation comes out, we, we already know about it. We, uh, we already know who the players are. We've established uh, relationships. That, that doesn't guarantee anything, but it certainly puts you in good stead um, and gets you uh, a little bit of uh, name recognition and face recognition when, when the interview should, uh, comes around. And so much about winning these opportunities really is about having the relationship. It's not just about showing up and giving a great presentation. I mean, the presentation is, is obviously important, but you need to make sure that they know who you are and uh, they, you have that trust that comes with that relationship to begin with. That, that's right, and, and that's where it comes back to what you mentioned before. If you're excited about the work and, and really love uh, that aspect of what you do, then that's going to show through in, um, in your presentations and in your interactions with the client. Most clients want to believe that the, the project you're working on is the most important one uh, in, your, in your firm, and in some cases, the most important project for decades uh, for you, and if you really feel that, it, it comes through. Tell me, have you had any experiences where you've maybe stubbed your toe a little bit, and can you share about you know what you learned from those experiences? Sure. Well, one comes to mind, and, and this was a hard-earned lesson. Uh, but sometimes, when, when you're you're out uh, nationally and internationally uh, pursuing work, you, you kind of forget about your home base. And there was a project right in Durham, uh, and we took the client for granted a little bit, I think, in retrospect, 
uh, and didn't prepare, didn't do all the things I just talked about because, um, you know, we were distracted with other things and, and felt that we, we really, uh, it was our project. And so guess what happened? You didn't win <laughs> Someone it. Someone else had, had done the, the, the homework and had built the relationship. And the lesson for us was uh, do not take your, uh, your home base or, or your local clients or your familiar clients for granted. They deserve the kind of attention and, and so on, and those relationships have to be nurtured uh, over time and, and kept up. And so um, it was tough to, to lose uh, a nice project right in our own backyard. Tell me, in terms of the presentation itself, what are you trying to accomplish when you actually get live in front of the client and you're giving a live pitch? Well, I'll go back to something I mentioned before. The client needs to believe and understand that, that you really, quote-unquote, get it. They get it. They understand us. There are certain aspects of, of any project that um, you know maybe aren't communicated very well by the client. You have to figure that out. What are the hot buttons? What are the keys? What are they really interested in? And you have to figure that out and find a way to convey that so that the client says, wow, they, they really understand. They, I want to work with these folks. So that, that's one level, um, just getting across the notion that, that you are an expert and you understand what makes their project unique. And the other thing is really quite simple um, but sometimes hard to do, and that, that is you know, come through with genuine enthusiasm. Uh, that can't be uh, faked. It has to be heartfelt. Clients have radar for that, uh, and they want to work with architects and engineers or contractors, whatever you're doing in this business. They want to work with folks that um, that are excited you know, and that uh, are really invested beyond the business opp- opportunity, but on a personal level. If you can do those things, um, you know, along with all the other homework and, and being um, you know knowledgeable about the building type. I think uh, you know, your chances are pretty good. But it sounds like you don't spend a lot of time in your presentations talking a lot about all the accomplishments of the Freeline Group. You sound like you spend a lot of time talking about this particular opportunity, trying to make this particular client or prospective client understand that you understand their job and have a vision that's going to help them accomplish their goals. That's right. By the time you get to the interview, um, our feeling is that uh, – they believe you're qualified. Otherwise, they wouldn't invite you or, or, or shortlist you. And I think clients have told me in the past that uh, you know they're frustrated when architects come in and just talk about themselves. So I do believe it's a good idea to, to focus on the problem at hand. What's what's special and particular about that client's needs, and, and how are you going to address those and communicate that you understand? So what's next for the Freelon Group? Well, you know, in this economy, we want to uh, continue to be aggressive and, and find new new commissions uh, that are in, in the vein and uh, areas that we, we have expertise. And so uh, it's just hopefully more of the same. You know, someone asked once uh, a few months ago, well, you got the Smithsonian Commission as if that was the end uh, or some pinnacle. But I think there, there are more uh, exciting commissions out there. Um, you know, we, we have a long way to go before uh, we arrive anyplace. So, so the journey is, is what we're looking forward to and, and just um, hopefully being successful in, in, in other, other pursuits. 
Well, it sound, we're just about out of time, and it sounds like, Phil, in, in conclusion, what I'm hearing from you is a couple of things. Number one, to be a good marketer, you need to start off by really having a clear sense of what you want to do. You want to have a clear sense of what your vision is, and you need to stay true to that vision. Then when you get the opportunity, you need to make sure you're doing everything you can to build the relationship before you get to the pitch. Once you get to the pitch, you need to talk about the opportunity and not talk about yourself. And then ultimately, you need to show and make everybody believe that you have a true great deal of enthusiasm for this particular opportunity. That's my little summary at the end. Did I, did I hit it about right? You hit it just right, Zoe. Very good. Well, thank you very much, Phil. We appreciate you being on the, being on the podcast with, with us. And thank you to our listeners for listening to the SpeechWorks podcast. Thank you, Joey, for inviting me. I enjoyed it. Have a great week.